Welcome to the Remind You podcast, where together we keep mental health in our discussion. I am your host, Dr. Christie, a licensed clinical psychologist who guides the dialogue about how our everyday experiences impact our emotional well being. As we unpack issues that are typically swept under the rug, Each weekly session will offer us an opportunity to make meaning of our everyday life experiences. And while you may gain insight and hopefully greater clarity, this podcast is not a replacement for a confidential relationship with a mental health provider. So as we prepare for today's session, I invite you to take a moment, settle your body, center your mind, and open your heart as we join together for another opportunity to keep mental health in the discussion. Well, welcome back everyone to the Remind You podcast. Um, As you all know, September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And so I am so excited that this month we have a licensed psychologist, uh, Dr. Farrow, who's going to be joining us and sharing just a little bit about um, her expertise and her knowledge and hopefully Um, It will help us kind of help those people that we interact with each day. So, Dr. Farrow, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Do you want to kind of introduce yourself to everyone? Certainly. Uh, Yes. Well, I am a, as you said, a licensed clinical psychologist and graduate of Howard University. So, of course, you know, I have to give a shout out to my alma mater. (laughs) So I've been uh, practicing for a little bit uh, with a variety of people. And right now I am in independent practice, but I am also the psychologist for the suicide prevention team with our VA here in Hampton. Oh, that's awesome. So you're dabbling in independent practice and then also uh, working in suicide prevention. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. You know, I think a lot of people are talking now about like suicide prevention and awareness and just with COVID um, and the, the social unrest, I think people are trying to figure out like how they can stay well. Um, so first, let me just check in, like, how are you doing in the midst of everything that's been going on the last seven months. Ooh, oh, wow. Well, so <laughs> definitely has been a, a, um, a time for learning and growing and self-care. Yes. So it has really taught me to practice what I preach, so to speak, and utilize my own, my skills on myself mm-hmm. and, and make sure that I'm staying well. So it's been an interesting transition, but uh, taking it all in stride, which is good. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I know sometimes people think as therapists, it's like, oh, we just have it all together and we have to practice the same things we talk (laughs) to other people about on a consistent basis. Um, So in terms of like suicide prevention, I know you've done a lot of work. Like, what does that actually mean to you? What do you think that like looks like? What is suicide prevention and awareness? So, you know, as you said, September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and it really is anything that we can do to prevent or reduce the number of individuals that take their own lives. Uh, You know, so it can be education and information that's provided not only to those who uh, might be thinking about suicide, but also to friends and family members, coworkers, anyone who might come in contact with someone who's having thoughts 
um, about the signs of the symptoms, how to help, you know, bringing awareness of resources that are available um, and just ways to assist anyone who's thinking about suicide. I mean, suicide can be, prevention can be something as simple as asking a person how they're doing on a regular basis, you know, saying, is there anything I can do? Or just providing a listening ear, you know, um, a non-judgmental ear for all the mothers and grandmas and nitpickers out there. <laughs> but, um, so that is always helpful. Um, but, you know, being aware even of our own attitudes and beliefs and, and really being mindful of how that impacts whether or not a person would want to talk with us about their thoughts of suicide or depression or anxieties or, you know, whatever issue they might be having. That's also important. So, you know, sharing those resources, letting everyone know that there's help available, encouraging those of us who have um, had thoughts or who uh, have worked with someone who's having thoughts or even died by suicide, you know, providing that support to family members, friends, providers. It, I could go on and on about, you know, what it entails, but yeah, there's a lot there. Well, and you gave us a lot. You know, I think sometimes it's like people hear suicide and they get scared and it's like they want to help, but they don't know what to do or they're like, you know, you kind of get that gut feeling. You're like, something is off here, but I don't know what to do. And so I feel like you're kind of sharing some concrete things. Like first is like not to be judgmental and to listen, right? And sometimes, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say there, there is, there's a whole lot of stigma that's around mental health issues. And, you know, I think that's probably what brought me into suicide prevention and, and really uh, being excited about this work, even though a lot of people shy away from it. Mm-hmm. But I think that just, I've always had this penchant for people who are hurting and in pain or even, you know, disenfranchised. And I think even within that mental health realm, su- uh, realm suicide in and of itself has even more stigma attached to it, which, you know, I can imagine why that's the case. I mean, if you think about it, just thinking about the idea of suicide or thinking about talking with someone who's thinking of suicide, it doesn't feel good for us, right? So we avoid it. So I can imagine how difficult it would be for someone who actually experiences thoughts of suicide. You know, we um, we all heard the phrase, well, it's not like it's life or death, you know, when we're talking about something of little, you know, significance, but with suicide, it absolutely is about life or death. So it, you know, it's, it's pretty heavy. It's very heavy. And I think it's important for us to really share that message of hope with those who have gotten lost in the darkness of suicide. Yeah. And so how do you, like, you know, you're doing really important work. So how do you, like, spread that message of hope, not just like when you're doing therapy, but then also like just every day when you're just Sharonda, like what do you do to, you know, share that hope? Um, I try to spread my sunshine everywhere. Um, But I think trying to maintain, you know, that acceptance, that open acceptance of everyone and of myself too, Mm. knowing that Life isn't always going to be easy. Things are not always going to be uh, peachy. You know, there's going to be problems and issues. And even if I had a day that I wish I could forget or if a friend or a family member has a horrible day, you know, tomorrow's a new day and a new chance for something different. Um, But just making sure that I am um, available to listen 
And um, like I said, with that not being judgmental and, and not being just, you know, harsh, but understanding that everyone's experiences are different. Mm. And just because I can't connect with it or relate to it doesn't make it any less valid. That right there just gave me goosebumps. So like, just because we don't connect to someone's experience doesn't mean it's not true. And I, you know, I feel like, I don't know if your family was like this, but I feel like just when I think back about growing up, people are like, what do you have to be depressed about? Right. Or what do you have to be sad about? And it's like, you know, or it's like, you have all these things going for you. Like, why are you upset? You know? And it could be just that one statement even that, you know, has people feeling like they're not validated. I absolutely agree. Yes, that I've heard that statement several times from my grandma. And, uh, you know, even as a child, what do you mean? Children can't be depressed. What are you depressed about? Uh, And even when it comes to my own child, you know, I have a teenager and, you know, to hear him talking to his friends about being depressed and about you know, not wanting to eat at times or how mm. stressful school is. And then you sit back and you think, oh my gosh, my baby, I had, I had no idea how difficult things are because we don't understand, you know, others' experiences or how early some of these signs and symptoms and issues, you know, might start to surface. So, you know, like you said, just really being attentive to what's going on with others and being accepting of whatever their experience is, is probably the first step. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So how do we like start to recognize, you know, some of the the signs and symptoms? Like what are some things that, you know, we should kind of look for in other people or even in ourselves, not just other people, but what should we look for? Um, I'm definitely glad to hear that because you're right, not just in others, but, you know, being aware of our own thoughts and, and where they're going is important. But, you know, when you start to feel that hopelessness, and feel like there's no other way out of things. I think that is a big one that we should be looking for. Uh, mood swings and anxiety, you know, agitation, problems with sleep, or even our bodies, you know, when they don't feel good, listen to that. Um, our bodies give us a lot of information about how we're doing, when mm-hmm. physical, our physical signs, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when someone is feeling like they don't have any reason to live or um, are starting to engage in risky activities. So, you know, substance use or um, doing things that could be harmful, um, isolating and withdrawing from family, all those are signs um, that could be, you know, issues or problematic. But most definitely, you know, if they're talking about death, if they're talking about suicide, if they're starting to gather materials, you know, for um, an act of suicide, you want to ask about those things. Um, if they're starting to prepare. So things like, you know, gathering um, a will or getting their last rights together, you know, taking care of their beloved pet and giving it away or, or specific items, those things to prepare. Um, we want to look for that. Um, or engaging in, like I said, you know, very risk-taking, self-destructive behavior um, and being intoxicated. All of those things are um, very, very important to get immediate attention for. Now, I will say this, you know, I think that sometimes we're afraid to inquire because we worry that we're overstepping or we're worried that, you know, well, it's just been one thing and I don't want to, you know, offend them. And yes, if there's only one particular sign that you see, then it may not 
um, be a sign of suicide, suicidal thoughts. But I always say this, what is the harm in asking the question? Mm. If a person is not thinking about suicide, they will pretty much tell you, no, no, I'm not. But the risk, when you look at that, well, you know, the cost benefit analysis, if you will, the risk of asking about suicide and being um, wrong or not asking right is far greater than if we do ask and they say no. So it's better to err on that side of asking about suicide and whether or not they're having those thoughts. I like the way you frame that because, you know, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of us are like, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't know what to say. They're going to be like, not wanting to tell me anything anymore, you know, um, if I ask them this question. But literally, this could be a matter of life and death for someone. And just by asking the question and listening for the response can be the difference potentially in a decision that someone makes or, or the information that they might choose to disclose to you that might be able to help them get some help and support. I agree. You know, I think that sometimes we forget that because there's so much stigma involved, when we either bounce around or what I call pussyfooting around it, or Mm -hmm. we don't ask, but there's obviously that elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. then what we're saying is that it's not okay to talk to me about it. But when we ask directly and openly, then, you know, we give others the indication that it is okay to talk to us about it, that there's not going to be that stigma and judgment, and we really care and want to help. And I think that's one of the most important things to keep in mind. You know, it can be something as simple as, you know, like I said, asking, how are you doing? Are you okay? But you do also want to ask directly, you know, have you been thinking about taking your life? Have you been ending, thinking about ending your life? You know, are you thinking about suicide? And when you ask, you know, try not to do it in a judgmental way, but just clearly and comfortably so that they have an opportunity to tell you about their suicide story or whatever it is that's going on inside. And so what do we do though? Like we ask the question, we step out there and we're feeling all like, oh, I don't know what to do now. Like, you know, you've got all this training and you've been working with, um, you know, a high risk population in some ways over the years. And so like, for kind of the average person who may not have that training, like what do they do with all the emotion that bubbles up or how do they like help someone that might be in danger once they open up? So a couple of things, you know, one, I would say, be honest. You know, if you are anxious, you can just say, oh my gosh, that is so overwhelming. Because again, if you're feeling that overwhelmed when they tell you, imagine how they feel. So just connecting with that and saying, you know, I know this must be so hard for you and letting them do most of the talking. But you can also say that you don't have all the answers. So let me connect you to this resource that is going to be more helpful and better able than I am. You know, we don't want um, lay people out there trying to be clinicians. We don't want you to feel like you have to or worried about saying the wrong thing. It could be as simple as saying, you know what, let's call the crisis line together. And and that's enough. You know, you're ushering them to the right resources um, that are available. The other thing that I would say is that uh, 
you know, you can go out and get some training. We've got uh, SAVE training that we do monthly for the VA. There is ASSIST training that's out there, mental health first aid. So, you know, anything that you can do to become more prepared to um, work with someone who's having thoughts of suicide can be helpful. That's awesome. I'm, and I'm glad to hear that, like, there's training even for people who are like, I don't want to be a psychologist or a social worker, but I just want to be able to, you know, support in these times are so important because, you know, you and I can't do this work by ourselves or, you know, it's, a lot of times people are not with their therapist when they're having these thoughts uh, or they may not even be in therapy, but their loved one or their friend or their neighbor or coworker, you know, might be the person that can intervene. And I, you know, what I'm kind of pulling is like the power of listening and the power of just like being there and staying with it, even when you're feeling, you know, uncomfortable or you feel like you don't know what to say, that you don't have to necessarily have the words that, you know, you would use Dr. Farrow, but you can have words and you can be authentic and that that alone can have so much power when somebody is just struggling or has been suffering for so long? You know, I agree. The honest to goodness truth is after talking to many, many, many providers, they usually don't know the words to say either. <laughs> so so that's yes. <laughs> across the board. Um, but I agree with you just to having that listening ear, you know, what's the old adage? You have two ears and only one mouth. So you should be listening as much as you speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just saying, you know, I want to hear about it, you know, tell me about what's going on or I'm here for you. And then just shut up, you know, sit back and allow them to talk. That in and of itself can be very comforting and very helpful. Um, So just sit back and shut up. Sometimes we have to do that, right? Exactly. (laughs) Sit back and shut up. Um, Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. And I'm not trying to make light of it, but I think sometimes we try to like fix situations by talking and sometimes the person just needs somebody to like hear them. Yeah. They're not saying too. Oh yeah. And you know, I always tell folks, it's not about you, boo-boo. We start listening, but then we have this urge to relate so much and tell them, oh, I know exactly how you feel. And then we start taking over. No, just sit back and allow that person to let you know what's going on. Because usually... I'll be honest with you, sometimes even as a therapist or a provider, when I just sit back and let a person talk it out, they can resolve things all on their own. Yes, they can get there. Hear it out loud. So, you know, as much as I love to talk, which you can probably tell, I know that there are times where it's just more powerful to sit back and Mm. listen. That's good. That's really good. So, you know, part of this podcast is really to also look at like some of the communities of color, particularly the black community. And when we look at, you know, data and research and we don't have to get in the weeds with that, but I think it's important to just mention that we've seen this like uptick with um, suicide attempts and successful suicides in the black community. And I think You know, in the past, we used to see suicide, I think, as more, you know, older white people. And now that data is shifting. And like you were saying, like, you know, it's important to have these open conversations. So I'm just wondering, like, why you think there we might be seeing this shift or this change? You know, part of it, I think, is that we're just more aware of what's going on. 
So I think from the get-go, the data was probably a little bit skewed. You know, there were certain things that were happening that we just didn't understand were suicidal in nature. So I think that would probably be one. But I also think that, you know, changes in belief systems and ideas around suicide in our community, those things have shifted. Um, Lack of understanding about the Black community, about how to provide intervention, how to reach us, how to engage us in treatment, that is the issue. But then also just looking at the continuance of racial disparities and the lack of resources, all the while we still have increased stress. I think that one of the most frustrating issues that we run into today is the fact that we maybe hoped, I'll say hoped, that things would be getting better and they really don't seem to have progressed in the manner that um, they should be Mm. uh, as a nation in terms of our cultural welfare. So I think even that can have a huge impact on our community when it comes to suicide. Yeah, so well put because, you know, it's like if the culture around you or the culture at large doesn't support mental wellness or does or does things to keep you oppressed or does things that don't support you getting the help you need or even if it's just like grandma and grandpa that are like girl you don't need to talk about that you know like all of those things can you know impact how we feel and they can impact when we get help um and they can impact suicide i think Oh, yeah. Black people don't do therapy. I know, girl. That was the the handle. And and I'll be honest with you as well, too. Even though, you know, it's not necessary for a Black person to go to a Black therapist, right? We do know that being able to relate in some ways and understand those dynamics, that is important. However, the other piece I would say is that some of the traditional modes of doing therapeutic work have really not necessarily been utilized, researched, or, you know, created with us in mind. And so the way that we think Mm -hmm. and our experiences are very different than um, some others when it comes to how those modalities have been put together. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for us to know how to work with that person as an individual and respect their cultural background and belief and experiences within that framework. You know, so that flexibility um, that we always talk about. Mm-hmm. Because people are people, and every black person isn't the same. Just as you know, every female isn't the same, and you know, and that's what makes things beautiful. But when we're talking to people, it's so important to, you know, recognize those cultural differences so we can be able to listen from that lens as best we can. I agree. Um, and, and that is the thing that makes treatment, I feel like, most effective. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that, you know, as we continue, there'll be um, less stigma around seeking treatment, um, less stigma around just saying, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, even us as providers, you know, sometimes we, well, not sometimes, we experience, you know, the same stressors, the same mm-hmm. difficulties, we may look like we have it all together and then leave that office and fall apart as soon as Absolutely. we get in that car and drive home. You know, so, you know, understanding that it's there, that stuff is there for us all. And it's important um, to get treatment, engage in self-care and be well. Mm. 
Beautifully said. And, you know, I think we're doing a little bit of a better job in the Black community of talking about it. You know, when I think about, like, Dak Prescott just came out. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but, you know. I am. Go ahead, Dak. Okay. Lord have mercy. I don't think I realized you were a Cowboys fan. Yes, yes. That's okay. I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm going to shout out the Eagles, even though they lost. <laughs> um, but, you know, he came out recently talking about um, dealing with depression during the offseason and his mother who um, committed suicide and um, Tamar Braxton, you know, it, it seems that she also had a suicide attempt recently. You know, Nick Cannon has mentioned feeling suicidal. Um, and so there's just so many celebrities now that are at least talking about it, which I think sometimes we see celebrities and we're like, Tamar girl, like, what? You got everything, you know, right. you're fine. Or Dak Prescott, what do you mean you're, you know, depressed? You're America's team, as we say, you know, you're their quarterback. And so I think it just like highlights when we see celebrities dealing with this or their family members dealing with this, that, you know, these issues affect everybody, right? Like, the playing field, so to speak, is equal when it comes to, to some degree, when it comes to mental health, it can impact all of us. You're right. It, it knows no face, no gender, no ethnicity, mm-hmm. you know, no socioeconomic status. I mean, if you think about it, celebrities have just as many stresses as we do, you know, and sometimes I think that um, because they're under such scrutiny, you know, their life is under this lens because of that attention that pressure to, you know, exhibit a certain persona or to look a certain way can really be crushing. And it can be difficult to hold that, you know, all together. And then, so when you put that along with the stigma surrounding being unwell and needing to receive help, you know, that either one can keep them from engaging in treatment or um, really openly engaging in treatment and and really getting their needs met. Um, But even the frustrations of feeling like you should be performing or being a certain kind of way Mm -hmm. can be crushing, you know. Um, Even as professionals and providers, this idea that we're supposed to be well and have it all together can be very difficult to navigate. So. Mm-hmm. There. Every day. And I think COVID has taught us that too. Like we're all in this whole situation together trying to make the best of it, um, you know, however we can. And, and I think that self-care is so important. And just recognizing that like people around us may not be well, you know, pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID, um, just in general, but you've given us some like, I feel like some concrete things that we can look for and things that we can say. And you've also helped like normalize this, I think a little bit, because sometimes we don't want to touch it or it's like suicide. I don't want to deal with that. And it is a heavy topic, you know, but um, it's a real topic. And I think we have to talk about and make space for like the reality of what it is. We do. And, you know, I like what you said in terms of space just creating that space, Mm. a safe space for, you know, a person to be able to talk about what's going on um, and to talk about these issues in and of themselves can really go a long way for suicide prevention Mm -hmm. and letting, or building awareness of what's needed and what people might be experiencing. So this right here is suicide (laughs) prevention awareness. All right. (laughs) 
even people listening to this, right? Like that. Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> I love that. I know. Cause sometimes it's like, we feel like we have to do this big thing, you know, or like put on some big program. A lot of times it's the on the ground work. I think both of us learn from our veterans, you know, the work that you do on the ground is so powerful. And so things you do with, sometimes you don't have to leave your house to do this, right? Like the person upstairs might be suffering and it might be time for you to knock on that door and have that conversation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, just saying, hey, you know, I'm worried about you. I'm concerned mm-hmm. about you. I care. You know, what's going on? Like that goes a long way, a very long way. And I think that, like you said, with the pandemic and it's like everybody is, I hate to say suffering because you don't have to suffer because we don't have to be stuck in that pain, but everybody is experiencing a lot of stress and a lot of pressure, right? And so we're all in this together. And so I think that is what's been helpful in helping us to understand the need to reach out to each other and check in with each Mm -hmm. other and make sure that we're okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, Gosh, you've given so much. And so usually I ask um, people to leave us with a reminder. And so maybe I'll ask it this way this week. So I want to remind you to. I want to remind you to take care of yourself and take care of each other to reach out when you're in need. And if the first person you reach out to isn't helpful, then honey, push them aside and go find somebody else who can be. Yes. <laughs> Don't let them limit what you can do and what you can get. Get your needs met. Yeah. I love it. That's such a beautiful reminder and such an important one because sometimes the first person isn't, you know, the one that um, necessarily provides you with what you need. Sometimes you got to go to that second and third person. Yes. yes. And even if it's like a national resource, you know, like the the hotlines, the suicide hotline or uh, prevention resource centers, churches or mental health treatment, you know, get those needs met. It could be anyone, but whatever you need to do, get what you need. Yeah. So where do people go to get like if they need more information um, or if they want to research more about suicide prevention awareness? What are just like a couple good sites or Um, good places where they could start? So um, I would say, uh, you know, NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Health, um, the Suicide Prevention Resource Center is a great resource, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, um, you know, uh, if you are in need of talking with someone, the crisis line, the national crisis line, I have to give the number, it's Mm 800-273-TALK. Um, They have talk, they have text, they have chat. If you're a veteran, you can press one. So that is always available 24-7. But locally, you know, we have um, community services boards and they are able to provide services and emergency crisis intervention as well. So um, there is help out there. And I think that's the most important thing for everyone to know. There's help available. There is support available. Don't have to go through this alone. Yeah. Good support, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Very good. And so if they want to keep up with you and all the amazing things that you're doing, where can people find you? 
So hopefully, I'm you know, even though I'm such an old lady, so I do have an Instagram <laughs> account, um, but I, I post very thoughtful things. And so I don't post unless I know it's going to be thoughtful. But mm-hmm. I am at the side doctor. So it's T-H-E-P-S-Y-D-R, the side doctor. Um, and so if you do go there, it will be nothing but positive things. And we all need some positivity, I think. So, and I appreciate that. I wish more people were like that in terms of like them just posting. I know, I know. Sometimes we just, that's a whole nother episode, but sometimes I feel like. <laughs> yes, I tell you, you know, that up, I have to have the uplifting spirit. Like I, I, I don't want to be a part of bringing anybody down or doing anything negative, but just making sure that whatever I do is going to be helpful and inspire others. That's good. That's good. Well, you've definitely inspired me today and I know you've inspired other people listening to this. And so I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. I think it's it's hard work, but you can kind of feel the passion. You can feel the knowledge. Um, you can feel the black girl magic. Um, I just, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you taking time. Time's the one thing you can't get back. So thank you for um using time to share this space to embody suicide prevention awareness. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You are most welcome. It has been a pleasure to be of service. <laughs> Thank you. We might have to have you back. I love it. I love it. Please do. Yeah, because we don't we don't have to just talk about this in September. You know, this is definitely a daily and a, a year-long thing um, that we need to keep going. So it is, it is. Absolutely. It's an everyday battle and it is everybody's business. So we want to spread the word as much as we can. And there it is. You heard it first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Farrell. Thank you everyone for tuning in today and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's session of the Remind You podcast. We really got some great information that I think we can apply during the upcoming week. For more information about general mental wellness or to learn about some additional resources, please visit me at www.remind-u.com. Or, of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Christy Norwood on Instagram. Thank you all so much and be sure that you are keeping mental health in your discussions. I'll see you next week for our newest episode.